0: Hello, this is Ben, one half of the Tonight Movie Podcast. In this episode of the Tonight Movie, we conclude the film Fun and Fancy Free with our guest host, our dad. See you next week when I'll be back behind the mic. Have a great week.
1: I got to back up here just a little bit. Um, One thing I have never done on this is I, you know, I know the Jack and the Beanstalk fairy tale. That's pretty well known. Um, Bongo is a very, very much lesser-known short story. Mm-hmm. And, um, I that, and I think that—and and I've never read the Bongo short story, the original nope. one, and I think I'm going to go ahead and make a run at that. The, I think that is part of the beauty of this film, is they were able to take two stories that were probably— they were I could see them being maybe 45 minutes apiece, because you're right. When you do the Jack and the Beanstalk deal there's quite a bit there there's the run-up there's you know the run-up to Mm -hmm. them needing the being you know needing food and then jack goes off and does his thing and that's a whole fairy scene in the fairy tale itself yeah and they removed all of that and they really they edited that story down very tightly not to mention going up. well they did go get
0: food though in the movie
1: well, no, I know that. But what I'm saying is that he doesn't go off to get food. He, they only show him leaving to get food, selling the cows. Got it. And they okay, okay.
0: We're on so, that part. Got it.
1: Yeah, so that all was done. I thought we were on so, the
0: beanstalk. <laughs>
1: um, well, no, but then when they go up to the beanstalk, there were other things that went on up there, too, that they cut out. So they, I think, and I'm sure with Bongo, it was the same way. Um, <clears throat> they did actually a really good job editing those stories down, mm-hmm. which is not typically Agreed. an easy thing to do. That all said, um, a little bit of a shout out to the guys that, that did the work on the prelim on this, the scripting and the storyboarding, um, mm-hmm. although they've passed on. But um, the shout out that should be noted and it would, in my opinion, would be really good for a lot of the folks today is that they they were able to take a short story and. Um, most the best films are come from short stories. I'm getting more and more convinced of that because it's less to edit and to, to pull out. But they did such a tremendous job editing those stories down without losing the essence and weaving them together with the third story, which is kind of the Brit, you know, the gap. Yeah, you know, the Edgar Bergen thing and the front end of the whole piece. So I, I if I had to look for likes and dislikes on the script, um, I'm looking
0: for them. Yeah, there was no... And I I'm not sure yeah, I can I'm find a dislike. Yeah. It's,
1: it's, I'd say for a, for a film, there are, uh, you know, except for a very dated score because of the songs, which we just have to accept. And that's <laughs> the best part about, you know, about this art form is you get a snapshot of the day. Um, yes. Other than... Other than maybe it's, it's darn near a perfect a perfect sit-down to watch. I Mm -hmm. every time I've watched it I can't say that I see something new but it has yet to get boring for me and we're probably a couple of dozen times I've watched it and it's if I ever need to remind myself of what we're doing in this business that is one of the one of a few films that I know that we tend to watch uh, Mm -hmm. from a family entertainment
0: I do agree with you there's nothing that I don't actually in terms of script there's nothing I don't actually dislike because also I'm thinking about it they don't talk for half of the movie if anything, because you have Bongo, the story of Bongo, that is narrated by Dinah Shore. Mm-hmm. The character Bongo, he and the other characters that are in the story, they don't actually talk throughout that telling. You have it's just Dinah Shore doing all the narration, all the storytelling, and the song, and it was very clean and concise and very much well done. And I can't hear anyone else doing it. If that makes sense, I don't.
1: Well, you know, that's interesting. You bring that up. That you're right. That is, it's fully narrated. That's a they they break. I don't know if, it's, if we would call it breaking the fourth wall, but it's a full mm-hmm. narration. You know, it's also interesting. As you were describing that, the beginning of the film, where the Jiminy Cricket and and, and the camera are panning through a library, mm-hmm. they're setting the tone for the first time. Uh, I think I think uh, uh, I watched this within the last seven eight days. I actually paid attention to the books that were in the library and um, at the time in, in, in the opening sequence. And, okay, slight tangent here. <laughs> um, something, they gave, the, the issues that were on, the, the, the issues and the thought processes of the day that they included in the film, strangely, are the same ones that we are concerned with today, only repackaged. In different okay. forms. So they were discussing anxiety and they were discussing all these negative things. And, uh, you know, Jimmy Cricket's thing was, hey, don't be negative. You can be happier. You can have a different take on it. Well, that stuff is pretty much what's out there today. It hasn't really changed. I guess it goes to show the human... The human condition doesn't change a whole lot. <laughs> I think just the way it was presented. Obviously, mm-hmm. they had books back then. You know, we had books primarily, no computers or anything like that. That's my slight tangent on that. But, yeah, I, I, I hadn't thought about that because getting it, the narration is kind of the same. Edgar Bergen does the narration. Yeah, and he as the help, the help the of
0: um, – he, he has also, during it, like his two puppets. Mm-hmm comic um, relief yeah uh, uh, charlie McCar- mccarthy i think is the name and mortimer snurd mm-hmm. he brings them both in and then you have child and then what we have the child actress uh, um
1: luellen right
0: um luanna, Patton.
1: luanna Patton,
0: yes. Um, like she's there because she's having a birthday party and then edgar Bergen is there with his puppets and they're and they're telling the story of jack and the beanstalk and even Though it's mostly Edgar Bergen, mm-hmm. Bergen, sorry, Bergen. Um, telling the story. Every once in a while, like his puppets would come in and like they would provide comic relief. They would Edgar would be telling the story, and then all of a sudden, you have one of the puppets like interject, and it kind of breaks it up. But then they go back to it. So I got a
1: question. You know, as a
0: again, nothing. Sorry, one last thing. Sure, nothing was terribly grand about. Like nothing. Like I'm saying, grand. Mm-hmm. Like nothing. Like overall, like stood out script wise like there's no like one particular line or anything right i agree like that not like casablanca too we just spoke about casablanca what a day or two ago so that's kind of the main one on my mind at the moment um to which has like here's to looking at you kid play it again sam of all the Jinzois in the world she had to walk into minor um like that one like you have those which are very much stand out and everyone knows them um Oh, it's like, or if you're, like, me and a Princess Diaries fan, it's like, me, a princess, shut up. Like, that's, so, like, the main one that we all, or at least for sure. me, I can remember. But, but there's nothing, again, that, like, specifically stood out. Um, it's maybe the only exception I could think of is Jiminy Cricket's beginning song of I'm a happy-go-lucky fellow, which, fun fact, was supposed to be in Pinocchio because Jiminy Cricket was in Pinocchio. Um, but they cut it last minute. And so then they just like, all right, we're going to put it in here. And I think that's interesting. I I didn't
1: know that. I
0: think that it actually fits the tone. And as you said, setting the tone very well. But about the script, it's simple, nothing rand, but I think that's what makes it great. And it makes it flow very well, along with kind of, I call them just the overall scenes in general, just the overall flow.
1: And it's funny you should bring that up because, like, you know, we've been talking a lot internally uh here at the studios about features uh yes. and not features in feature films but just features within art itself you know music architecture film and i know that when when casablanca was uh spun on the uh dvd the other day yeah. it has lots of features i mean you were talking about the vocal features Or the the, 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 uh, the script features, the one-liners, so to speak. The Fun and Fancy Free, I think you're correct. And if I remember correctly, I don't know if I said correct twice here, the theme song was actually sung by Hal Smith playing a ukulele, and it was a really big (laughs) deal. Hal Smith, um, I just was, I was looking at him the other day, was I didn't realize how big of a deal Hal Smith was. And... I think I'd like to take the I'd like to take the moment cuz it'll never happen again <laughs> to give a to give a uh yeah, I don't I don't I don't want to use the word shout out but I think that Hal Smith was a true a true professional actor. He knew uh he wanted to be in the business. Um he was started out at a young age doing things, um, he went all the way through up almost until the day he passed away, which I believe was in uh, 1998, he was born in 1915, um, and he did so many character actors, character, yeah. played so many characters, Andy Griffith, he was extensive in Andy Griffith show, he was also, I noticed in a bunch of old westerns, um, <clears throat> old western television shows, he oftentimes played bartenders, what I didn't know uh, is how extensive his voiceover work was, and um he I believe he was Jiminy Cricket at one point uh at, in his life, uh or Winnie the Pooh, one of the two. But I do remember seeing a, a, a short uh a short film of him playing the ukulele doing the fun and fancy free song. And um Hal Smith Hal Smith is one of those actors, if you uh that I think pretty much personifies the working a working professional in the business uh, you, there's such a level of we've been talking again lately in uh, some of the of our staff meetings here um, at the studio about about the acting business and the music business and the the people that kind of make it and are very consistent. Uh, in a lot of films and uh, are there both in starring roles and maybe co-starring roles. But it's such a teeny percentage of the total acting uh, talent population. And I think a lot of them get discouraged um, or if they don't make it into that really upper level. But there is so much work that, um, you know, a production company like ours needs and Hal Smith was a understood that he understood that he you know you want me to play a bartender in a western sure I will you want me to play a drunk in a TV show sure I'll do it um, funny <laughs> thing funny thing he never drank a drop apparently um, but he but he didn't really care he wanted me voiceover I'll do it he was one of those guys that just said tell me what you want and I'll make it happen and he just wanted to be in the business and what I find also quite quite. Uh, uh, I don't want to say interesting for the bazillionth time here, but what really got me with Hal Smith is he's, he stayed in Hollywood specifically so he could work. He, I don't think he was excited about the place, but he stayed there because he wanted to work. And he, he when he died, he, when he finally moved there with his wife, um, and one and only wife, uh, he stayed there and he did whatever came along to pay the bills. I don't know if he became a very wealthy man, but he he was like it's like a carpenter. You know, He you he, he want me to build you a cabinet? I'll build you a cabinet. You want me to build you a wall? I'll build you a wall. And that's where he was coming from. And there, and I think that's important because I think a lot of people really get discouraged when they, when they don't make it into that really tight, elusive group of people that are strictly in starring and co-starring roles. And remember, Hal Smith did this from, I believe he started out as a disc jockey in 1936. And from that point on, he can, and he was born in 1915, so you can run those numbers.
0: 1916.
1: 1916, sorry.
0: Same difference. Okay,
1: <laughs> so he, about tw- 20 years old, he got into the entertainment business, and he went right until he couldn't go anymore. And he, he made whatever money he could make and never had, he may, maybe he did have a day job, I don't know. But that was a true craft you know we're gonna use that word a true craftsman Mm -hmm. and he he spent time honing his craft and he realized that his craft wasn't just going to be in the major starring roles that he was going to be in a different area and he didn't complain about it he said hey this is what i do and it was a job it wasn't a lifestyle but a job and that's kind of what i gleaned in in looking at him so all you actors and actresses <laughs> out there, beware. Be uh, not beware, but take take notes, so to speak. <laughs> uh, back on the script, so I don't have. I, I think it's just a well-honed piece. Yes, you know, and I love what you just said, Sarah, which was that there's nothing hugely stand out about it. Um, <clears throat> I think the the really, I think the song. Yes, question, If I were to say, if there's anything standing out, that. But also the fact that there were uh, uh, three separate performance mediums. Yes. That you just don't see,
0: mm-hmm.
1: except in the upcoming. Oh, sorry, I'm not <laughs> supposed to give it away yet. Wait a second. Spoiler There's got to be a way to plug our work here somehow.
0: <laughs> Tell me what Darn you want.
1: I really want to say it. Go ahead. See,
0: this is when before the ep- Ben and I record these episodes, you give us what you, what you want us to plug, and we'll yeah, try I should to have, figure yeah, out you what have done, we'll do. Yeah, I
1: should have done that. Oh my god.
0: Coordination, and also kind of the same thing with characters. Nothing like stood out like I out of the two stories I like bongo the best yeah and I, and I don't know why and I think just because um kind of the mic like it's gonna sound bad but a little bit of like Mickey Mouse overboard just as an in general thing Which again not bad I love the original characters Mickey Donald Goofy uh Pluto Minnie Daisy like all of those I definitely truly do love but it's I like the fact that they kind of chose it was like a little different one and it's based off this short story and fun fact, also the animation was original. They originally had the animation as like, oh, to be more realistic. But then when they paired it with Fun and Fancy Free, or put it in that, yeah, and paired it with the um, Happy Valley, they're like, oh, we need to make this more simplistic and cartoon-like. Which I think played out in their favor.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, I didn't realize that. So they were actually trying to get some sense of realism in there.
0: Mm-hmm. But it was then simplified and put more cartoon. For I being think that fun and fancy free, which again, that's brilliant, worked out. But for in terms of characters, again, none stuck out. I guess the only thing I can say would stuck out would be Edgar Burgen and his puppets, because that was something you didn't really see much at the time. And also, I don't think at that time doing live action and animation together was that a thing at that time? I don't know. I remember. don't think so. I don't there I think, was, I think there it was, was one of the first films. Well, Disney cut did his it teeth possibly?
1: he Disney possibly? cut his teeth in the early early days doing that uh, mm-hmm. a little bit. I'm glad you brought that up. For uh, oh, I'm so glad you brought that up <laughs> because there are two particular moments in that this film where <clears throat> the animation and live action come together that are <coughs> excuse me. I go what sorry we don't have a cough button. Uh we're realistic <laughs> here folks. Um <laughs> That are are extraordinary. One is when they have a shot of the and w- when they're just beginning to to um, bring in the live action part, and they've got a shot of a house, the house across the street. Um, That's and when they go to
0: Beanstalk. That's when they go to Edgar Bergen. Right, the way.
1: exactly. It's right in, right in the middle. It goes and Bongo,
0: they- and then. Jack and the beats Mickey and the Beans talk. Sorry, I want to interject to... Right.
1: Oh, got it. To, to differentiate between, yeah. We call it continuity. Um, so they have, you've got this this shot, this exterior shot of this house, the house across the street, uh, as it's referred to in the film. And you see this open window, and and that's all animated. And then the win, what you see in the window is all live action. I thought that... I noticed that the other day, and I've seen it before, and I've always really thought it was a nice, slick trick. But it actually, when I looked at it the other day, I, I noticed how slick it really was. It was a great transition. And the other time you see that same kind of of uh, really well-blending of the animation and the live action is at the end, which... Um, I don't know if we're. I guess we could wait till the till the. I wanted. To, I want to mention something about the ending, maybe at the end of this uh-huh. thing, but at the very, at one of the the beginning parts at the end is when the the uh, the giant rips off the roof uh, where the live action is taking place, mm-hmm. you know, looking for you know his foe, and puts it down, and then the film. So you've got that animation live action uh, uh, action going on, and then it immediately. Uh, transitions to animation again as he walks through LA, and and all of that. Uh, it's just well done. It's not it's not meant to be. It's meant to be obvious, but not to meant to be in your face, saying, "Gee, look what we can do." Mm-hmm. It's just well blended.
0: You know, that's not the scene I thought you were going to mention. Oh. I thought you were going to mention when they are in the house. Mm-hmm. And Edgar Bergen, I think it was Mortimer, the, um, that, I think it was that puppet, he tells him to start dreaming of or to dr- start thinking of Happy Valley. And, oh, Mor- right in and, the beginning. Yeah, and, yeah in the call. beginning of it. And then Mortimer, he tries to start dreaming of it. And there's a the little dream bubble, which is animated, kind of goes above his head, but then it shrinks back down again. Mm-hmm. And then you have Luann, who does it as well. and But um, hers was able to create happy valley
1: much more expanded yeah
0: and so that's what i thought you were going to talk about well, not the I ending. T-
1: you know you you got a good point that's a good that's a good deal i hadn't thought about that one it it is you know i think i i'm 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 not searching for words i'm actually <laughs> pushing it through in my head because i think that's the only spot in the on, in the film where you have all three mediums coming together, that's I guess what we would call fan. Oh, I'm not a, necessarily a fan. A a an ob an observation. There we go. That's the only <laughs> place where all three actually come together. Live live action and the other. And that's yeah, an impressive yeah. move. I know that Mary Poppins gets a lot of, uh, probably most all of the credit for comb- combining live action and animation. Because it's the most well known. Yeah, no question about and that.
0: And it's no handle Mary but Poppins though. It's done. a great movie.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and you know, it's probably one of those things—no fun and fancy free, no Mary Poppins kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't like know there, how much there's. The more a, they there's did, kind
0: but... of like a meme <laughs> slash phrase, at least in my generation, is. Sure blanked walked so blake can run so fun and fancy free walk so mary poppins can Ah, run
1: got it and so i got it like kind
0: of that thing can be completely off
1: that's fair enough because i think the only other time they did something this extensive actually even more so was was song of the the dreaded song of the south
0: which we're not allowed to talk about apparently talk
1: about which is, by the way, a great. It's a, which is, by the way, a really. I think it's a neat piece. I would be careful. Um, I'll with probably that. get in trouble with that one. But you have to at least admire the technical ability of it. But story anyway,
0: aside, the production value was. Yeah, good.
1: there is a certain amount of that that you have to. Yeah,
0: and
1: well, Europe seems to like it. Anyway. Yeah, we can't talk we about that because we could discuss that right because
0: we could get very much in trouble.
1: Yeah, I guess that. So the last. Since we don't edit i I don't think we fully edit these things, so uh I don't the think podcasts, we, <laughs> so uh tell you what the last thirty seconds didn't happen <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> well, but that. I, they did do but I do know that that was there. I don't remember offhand when that film was done, but they did do pretty extensive live action and uh mm-hmm. animation on that one but <clears throat> and nonetheless the uh you mentioned something um a little bit ago about the um uh or I did maybe of the look and feel of this thing and some of the cinematographies um, aspects to it animation cinematography is such a they don't I don't even think they call it cinematography it's more like camera placement but whatever it is i just use it as a uh, general
0: term sure
1: i also at this i don't think there's a bad moment no in that i, I couldn't find anything I, there's no place where I, that i thought hey we should do something uh, they it should have done something well. to make it look better, or whatever. I um, the thing about animation is you get to do things that are maybe a little more difficult. You said something about the realism. I think that's what another thing I really like about some of the old, the older, the older Disney stuff, especially this particular film. Mm-hmm. Uh, animation is animation. It's not you're not supposed to animate to do photorealism. Uh, photorealism mm-hmm. they you know i i've been around in the digital and the analog era now um and i can tell you that we had to make some decisions uh early on when i i in, in, in architecture for instance which i spent a lot of time in for this business um That's we made some decisions thing, yeah. about renderings and and it turns out this is not a new phenomenon there was a uh uh architect by the name of Meisner down in uh in the Gilded Age, if you will, down in Florida, who was being pressured uh, by a couple of clients um, since they were spending so much money building these beautiful, huge palaces down there in Palm Beach that they wanted to see photo realistically or as realistically as possible what these things were going to look like since they were spending so much money. And he famously told them, I can't tell you what it's going to look like <laughs> because I haven't built it yet. So one thing at a time. You know, yeah. right. But as photorealism has become more and more uh sophisticated, shall we bet? It actually, I think, has downgraded the art the art of drawing and the art of the art of art, mm-hmm. so to speak. And I and one thing I really like about this film is the The level of craftsmanship and detail in the actual art of it, Uh, it it doesn't have to be—it looks like it's a a painted background, and it should look like a painted background. And they do it to a really nice level that keeps it just this side of— Full-on photorealism, and so if I can if I can yell out there (laughs) a little bit to the animation community now, stop trying to be photorealistic. Of course, now I might be giving up our secrets here, but Mm -hmm. at the company, you also might get in trouble. (laughs) uh, Maybe, but I think that that's been one of the biggest problems I'm having. Is you can push the photorealism so far um, that you're beginning to destroy it, and if that really was, they were trying to go photorealism, photorealistic. They just said it was like
0: originally yeah. supposed to be more realistic uh, but then simplified. So I'm not sure what exactly they mean. Well, I know what they mean, but I don't know exactly what they were planning on doing with the making it realistic because we like the animation now, because I think um it was I think it was either the last it was either Winnie the Pooh or Princess and the Frog was the, like the last which Came out both came out like 2010, 2011, mm-hmm. or 2009, I think, was Princess and the Frog. And I think one of the Winnie the Poohs came in 2011. That was the last time they actually kind of did anything of hand drawing and like the 2D cell animation. And then from there on, it was a lot of the 3D stuff and the stuff that we would see that Pixar did in the 90s with Toy mm-hmm. Story. Which, on a separate episode, we can give our opinion uh, opinions. And I would like to keep in mind. Do not come at us for our opinions, for the love of everything. Please don't. (laughs) This is all just strictly what we, our own preferences and our opinions. The kind of the 3D-esque look that you would see in Frozen, Brave, Toy Story. Uh, Trying to think of other stuff that off the top of my head. Never been a huge fan of. And like... And I'm just talking about the animation in itself. I'm not, I'm not going to bash on it because I also know the fact that it takes the animators a while
1: to, to
0: create it. And so the hard work, I'm not going to completely. Ba- I'm not going to bash them on because it's a long long time to make. It takes them a very long time to. and, yeah, it's hard. It's and, hard, and it, tedious it is work. It, It's hard and it's tedious, and I do 1,000 percent commend them. It is not... Just not a fan. I'm, just, I'm not a fan. It's not my cup of tea. And I think I can speak for both of us on that. I think yep. even, to a degree, Ben as well. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about mom. But at least for the three of us. And I think it's part of the reason why we like, again, a lot of the older ones. And I, I want to do a separate episode, kind of our opinions on what we consider new Disney and old Disney. But I think it's why the three movies that we watch, on animated Disney movies that we watch on repeat... And, it, and it's, what, now, January 2021, and I think I've watched them at least three or four times already, um, is Fun and Fancy Free, The Aristocats, and 101 Dalmatians, like the ni- 1961 one, and we watched those three on repeat on the daily, I think we maybe two or three times, like one or two times a week, maybe three times. We put them on as background. It's kind of just a go-to movie, the, our go-to movies, and we just rotate between them if we want to watch something but we don't really like want to pay attention or if it's something lighthearted. And I think the fact that it also took a lot of work, but also the fact that they paid attention to detail because at that time they kind of really had to mm-hmm. and add in certain things. And it's just overall craftsmanship I just truly love. I know over the last couple of um, the years, as years went by, they would later refine it as we'd see in the rescuers and one of my and ben's favorite movies that i think we did talk about is atlantis lost empire a treasure planet which i also i know you not a huge fan of treasure planet but i think just story-wise um but just strictly animation really do enjoy
1: well, I think you. I'm glad you you did. You, you, first of all, kudos for your disclaiming. Yeah, please please uh, listen to that uh, disclaimer
0: before <laughs> if you want to hate on me. Listen to that disclaimer, so that'll please. That'll
1: help. The, that'll help legal a little bit. Um, <laughs> the other thing is the the acknowledgement of the efforts that are required. Oh, Oh, one
0: thousand percent. It's I, not. I it's that, not an easy job as an animator.
1: Yeah, I, and you know, I think whether this hand is drawing
0: where, or 3D and computer.
1: I like, agree, and I I think this is where I get to um, say something that I'll probably try to say as much as i can another if you know if you'll allow me behind this microphone again <sighs> um i think that all I, I used to be very sarah i used to be very critical in art i used to change I, I, well yeah <laughs> I, I used to be i used to be very say that well to the people actually i used to be very critical about um i'd hear somebody else's music or somebody else's see somebody else's you know whatever artistic endeavor and I used to be a little more critical I'd say well here's the good and bad because that's kind of what I was told I was supposed to do by the by the wizards of of wisdom out there <laughs> and um the reality is there is that I have I've have come across is that to complete any work takes a certain tenacity and I would have to say 90%. it's in the 90 percentile of people that just can't. They might want to write a novel and they get started on it, but they don't finish it. Well, even if the novel really is kind of a pile of garbage, um, <laughs> uh, at least it got done. And you have to take your hat off to the person doing it. Uh, it's not easy to do that stuff. Somebody gets a piece of music written. Um, it, even if it's not that great, at least it got you know start to finish. And Mm -hmm. that's a big deal. So I'm glad you mentioned that because while I'm not a fan of of quite a bit of art that's out there, um, I am very appreciative that if anybody tackles something, they complete it. And if they're able to do it multiple times, even more so, you have to take your hat off Mm -hmm. to that kind of stuff, and um, uh, which is, I think, really echoing something that uh, you brought up there. I don't have any personal favorite (laughs) scenes, by the way. I'm cutting you off. No, it's Uh, all good. It's all good. Dad's coffee
0: is wearing out.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, a little bit. The um, as far as there's any anything that's that is a personal favorite of this film, not. I think everything seems to for me seems to be the entire the level of the whole thing. I can't. um, I am maybe if I were to pick two, it would ones we've already talked about, which is. The opening sequence,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, the mid sequence where they're the transition, know, the, the, the transition where they're you know you're seeing the live action through the window, and then finally the the growing of the beanstalk. Mm-hmm. So that does bring me to my some of my my final <laughs> big scene. <laughs> final I plots. love the way this film ends. Mm-hmm. It ends exactly how a film should end. You you are taken on a you're taken on a crazy. Musical st- story, let's see. Musical, comma story, comma um, visual, comma uh, journey, maybe, and visual journey that has to end at some point. But you you really go in a lot of areas, and it winds up it winds up with or, on a really high note. And when you see the the giant. Uh, you know, strolling down Hollywood way looking at stuff and you see, uh, the Brown Derby Mm -hmm. noted and some of the other, um, more famous places of that era. It, it's tuneful, it's timely. And even if I may be using it, excuse me, as a little background, I always seem to hit the, the, uh, Watch the screen for those last three yeah. minutes, I think, where 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 the giant opens up the roof from there on out and all the way to the end where it says the end of Walt Disney, you know, uh production thing. It ends exactly how a movie should end. Uh that's not a tragedy, of course, but it ends like that where relief is done. High note. It looks good. Mm mm-hmm. All the elements are sitting in there uh, for an ending. So I'm actually... I love the bookends of this thing. The opening and the closing are are Phenomenal. really well done. And by the way, I don't know that every film out there, no matter what kind of film it is, has that kind of bookends. A lot of times, either the ending's terrible or the beginning doesn't quite work. Or they're, So this one, it opens and closes very very well across the board mm-hmm.
0: and on that note thank you all for joining us i think for what nearly an hour of us talking um of fun and fancy for and overall our tangents i think we mostly had a lot of side tangents in the actual film but honestly 10 out of 10 will recommend this film along with aristocats mm. and one-on-one if you want some good ones to put on repeat definitely good if family-friendly movies if you're looking something for young children to watch would recommend times 10 there's nothing like too overpowering like nothing too dark like there was like a forest scene at one point at night but even then that wasn't bad and honestly we're straight up recommend and fully enjoy and you, again watch it for the whole family as dad says ages 2 to 92 that's how a lot of at least family entertainment at least this like this one mm-hmm. should be dad thank you so much for joining in and taking in Ben's place as he is out today
1: absolutely I'm glad it's been fun me, and I appreciate it. it's, it's a lot of fun Yeah. by
0: ready? the way these are also daily conversations that dad and I have
1: <laughs> now they're public knowledge yeah,
0: now they're public knowledge again thank you all for joining us have a great day see you next week